Hello and welcome to the Tell Me If You Can podcast. My name is Ogechi, your host, and today's episode we have Camelia Varnado. Camelia is a self-published author, speaker, and mentor. In today's episode, she talks to us about being encouraged to reconnect with her estranged father in an effort to fill a void that only a parent can fill. She talks about forgiveness, how the experience transformed her, and how it shapes her work with women and families. Camelia's warmth and wisdom shines in today's episode. Let's take a listen to Camelia's story. Who you are, what you do, where you live. Hi, thank you. First, I just want to thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Congratulations as well. So my name is Camelia Vornado. I am a self-published author. I've written five books, three non nonfiction and two children's books. I am married to Mr. Incredible. I also call him my boyfriend. We've been married for about 13 <laughs> years and we have three beautiful daughters, 30, 21, and 11. A lot of hormones in the house. So that's why I call him my Mr. Incredible. He is definitely my Mr. Incredible. In my household, so I grew up with three sisters and a brother. So I'm the middle child. So I have mm-hmm. a, a sister. Yeah, right there. That's that's a story, right? <laughs> I have one older <laughs> sister and two younger sisters and my brother who passed away when he was 21. So it's all girls. And since I was, uh, I grew up from probably from birth until about six or seven around that time. I spent a lot of time with my nana, which is my grandma, my biological dad, mother. So I spent a lot of time with her. So of course, anybody who spent time with grandmas, you kind of get what you want. I was like that favorite grandchild because I was over there all the time. So I got just about anything I wanted. And I would have that treatment at my Nana's and then come home and have this sibling rivalry with my sisters. But that relationship with my sisters kind of, you know, just evolved into this beautiful friendship. I mean, we're like best friends now. I mean, now we're grown. We're no longer fussing about stay out of my clothes. It's your time to wash dishes. It's your time to sweep the floor. No, mom called you. It's your time. So since we had a household of kids, it seemed like my mom had a day that she would just call one person's name. And we were just like, oh my gosh, she called my name again. Can you come get me the remote? Mm -hmm. The remote is right in front of you. (laughs) I laugh and I bring that up because I have done that to my 11 year old. And I have to laugh because I'm like, my mom used to do the same thing to me. Why am I doing it to my own? I did not like that growing up. But you had this this interesting, I was caught in this interesting dichotomy of coming from being raised with my with my nana, always giving me kind of what I want and being treated as a favorite to kind of, you know, having to fend for myself when I was the middle child. And so as a middle child, you kind of watch things happen and you take notes. I took copious notes. If my oldest sister got in trouble for something, I made note that, okay, don't do it like that because you'll get caught. Find a different way to get it done. <laughs> but that is exactly, I always learned from somebody else. So I, I'm one of those that, okay, if, if I see you did it how I thought I would have, yeah, I'm going to find a different way. Because, you know, growing up as kids, kids are going to do what they set their minds to. So I, I think having that environment set to where you have, this is the beautiful thing of having older siblings. When they do it before you, you're like, oh, that doesn't work. Oh, it's not worth it. Huh. I guess I won't do that. So I learned a lot just by being observant to my sisters, to my older sisters. But, you know, um, having, having, a, being a, having the blessing of having two dads in my life I want to compare it to like a relay race because my biological father started it by, you know, planting the seed with my mom. And then 
my stepfather came in when my mom got married about not when I was about nine years old. So when I got about nine, my, my stepmom, my mom got married to my stepdad and he kind of took over that, that, that responsibility of raising, you know, children because he didn't have any children at the time. So he technically had to raise me and my two sisters. So three girls, he had to just come in and be that instant dad. So props to the dads who will come in and get the job done Props mm. to them. Even when you don't like it, you know, cause a kid, I'll tell you, I did not like it. It seemed like every time I did something, my mom was saying, why did you do this? I'm like, how do you know I did that? <laughs> felt like I was all be, always being told on. Not only me, that happened to all three the other two sisters as well. But props to a dad who will come in and will not take peanuts. They're not going to let you get away with anything. And they are they hold you responsible and accountable to what you're supposed to be doing. Regardless if my mom wasn't there, regardless if if we were told to do something and we didn't do it. So that meant a lot to me, you know, so growing up, you had that. I had my, my stepdad and he, I really never called him my stepdad because he just, he just came right in. So it, it mattered a lot to me. And, and this is hindsight. Okay. So as I'm growing up, I didn't see this. So I don't want to paint the picture that it was all roses. I, we had yeah, that yeah. normal, we had that normal push of, of who is this person, you know, coming into our lives. But he stayed strong. He stayed strong and saw us through it. And as I got older, you know, from a from a little girl to a lady to a woman, I realized, I was like, wait a minute. Huh. I'm different. And I think we all kind of go through that I'm different type thing. But I wanted those life questions answered. Like, why why am I why am I like this? Why do I respond like this? Why was I always over my my nanas, why do I think like this? I seem like I'm different than my sisters. So I always had that type of mentality and that question. And the only person, it was like ding, ding, ding at 30 plus, okay? So this is, I didn't went through my, my teenage years with this wondering, this wondering question in the back of my head to when I'm grown, I'm saying, I need to know what's, what am I here for? What, what happened? You know, what's my purpose? What's my passion, right? That part, that, that question that we all have, what is that passion? So when I married my Mr. Incredible, I married my Mr. Incredible because he said, and he grew up with that. His, his, his bringing up is just, I mean, kids, people would want to have a upbringing like my husband. I mean, I mean his parents were married 51 years before his dad passed. And he was, his dad was so active and, and had a real big influence in his life. So of course he marries me and he's like, I don't understand why you just want to talk to your biological dad and ask him. So it was normal to me, to him. It wasn't normal to me. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, why don't you just talk to him? Why don't you ask the hard question, Camelia? You know, and I'm real good at asking other people those hard questions. But it was something that, you know, I just didn't want to ask. But, you know, at my husband asking me and just kind of just talking me through it, he said, you need to talk to your dad. Your dad is the only one who's going to be able to answer all of these passion and why am I here? Why did this happen? He's the only one who's going to truthfully tell you anything, right? Because I asked my mom and my mom would tell me just bits and pieces, you know, enough to be safe, right? Yes. But um, I asked my dad and I'm telling you, he changed, changed my life, changed my life. I just, he answered the questions. He, he, he asked, I had that question of, was I abandoned? And why doesn't, Mm -hmm. why, why am I always the one that's left out or, or, you know, no one can, no one is concerned because I did, I just followed directions. So I followed directions. So when you follow directions, nobody really pays attention, attention to you. Right. So you yes. seem like you're just like in this little, this gray area, like nobody really is long because you, 
that's just normal to me. I just followed directions. You know, I didn't like getting in trouble. I didn't like spanking. I didn't like any of that. So if you told me to do something, I was going to do it. But my dad answered that questions. He would always call me pumpkin. So he start just breaking life down to me of where it all started, where it broke down, and where the relay baton was passed from my biological dad to my nana to my stepdad back to him. And I don't think I don't think it was as seamless and knowingly as he put it, because it's hindsight, right? I think he realized what was happening because of the questions that in some I asked directly and some I didn't know how to ask. Like, why didn't you, why didn't you come and, and why didn't you reach out to me? Why I have to reach out to you? I mean, that seems like that's an innocent question, but for the longest time I didn't ask, but he started just pulling layers of, of all of this self-respect, this this you know, this identity crisis that I seem to be in. And he started just pulling them back just by conversation. So I talked to him every single day. So the last 10 years of his life, I talked to him almost every single day. Every day after work, I would call him. I said, hey, Dad. Hey, Pumpkin. And tell me something good. I mean, just... Little, those conversations still, I mean, I can still remember a lot of them. And he just grew me up, grew me up just with those last 10 years of his life. And and before he died, you know how sometimes people have regrets? I had none. I had none. Wow. Not one single regret, because he answered every single question. I just... Uh, and so, of course, that revolutionized my life. I mean, so when I run into women who don't want, they let it be known, because sometimes you got to pull this information out. A lot of people didn't know that I didn't have a, rela- a good relationship with my dad. You couldn't look at me and tell that. You could only find that out by talking to me. And and then based off of the subject, right? Because I'm not just yeah. going up and tell you, oh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't have ooh, a dad. What? Uh-uh. No, you have to bring that out in me. But because it happened in my own life, so now I know how to ask target questions. Mm. <laughs> ask those target, those real uncomfortable questions. So, and, and I know how much it changed my life. So I want I want women to know that dads are so crucial in our life, regardless, and I mean regardless, of what they did do, what they didn't do. I heard somebody say, you cannot change your parents. You cannot change who had you, who your who your mom and dad are, who your sisters are, you can't change it. So you might as well make use and take take advantage of the time. Because even though I said the last 10 years of my biological dad life, I spent talking to him, I still want I still wanted more. If he could be here right today, I would be talking to him because it's after work and that was our time. After work, we talked on the phone. And it was sometimes it just wasn't, you know, just anything about my day, about his day, about my aunt, you know, it was nothing. But it meant so much. So having that, having that relationship with not only my biological dad. So go. let's go back to this race. Okay, so I use relay race because I ran track. <laughs> and my husband still to this day thinks that I didn't run track. But I told him I ran track. <laughs> oh so my as we as still going on this race, where my stepdad passed his baton off to my dad. My stepdad didn't just fade out and I no longer had a relationship with him. No, he. I think he realized the importance of that season in my life and didn't interfere in it. It was just, it was, 
he almost like faded just enough to let to make sure that I still had that that time to spend with my biological dad, but also to remind me I'm he was still there. So I mean that's the blessing in having some real men that that's willing that's willing to kind of fade in the background at different seasons in your life, recognizing what you need, not what they need, mm. and then passing that on. So that's where I I started, you know, saying hope beyond what you see because I could not, I could not see it. I could not see how, you know, I, have you, you, have you met people where it seems like they got all their, their purpose and their passion all together? Got it to, I mean, they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Yes. I, I, they know that they're supposed to be in the right lane and the right lane is where they're going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I was one of those that let me, because I was getting distracted looking at the other lane, the right lane, the left lane, the middle lane. <sighs> I think God God just used my dad's to kind of steer me back. Steer me back in place. Say, "No, this is this is why you're like this." I do the same thing. I overanalyze things just like you do. Now, this is where you get that from. This is why you always want to go outside of the box. I was the, uh, your daddy was the one who was outside of the box. So having somebody to identify with mm. opened my eyes so that I could see. Because my current situation, you know, like my employment and everything, none of that changed. But how I saw things changed. I was no longer having this big question about who I was and what I'm supposed to be doing. I start recognizing the activities that I was doing fit. It fit into who I am. That's where mentoring came in. That's where um, even even where I work with human resources, all of that fits within my, my passion to help change the world. You change the world by changing how they think, changing their perspective. How do you see things? Because that's when mine changed. I changed how I saw things because of the wisdom that was being deposited in me. And so, so in someone, order, uh-huh, go ahead. No, no, no. So, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but so someone might be listening to your story and thinking, wow, that's amazing. But there are probably so many women or even men out there that are experiencing, have experiences similar to you. And they may not have had the blessing of having a stepfather as amazing as yours to pick up the baton in that relay race, like you said. But you you probably experienced a range of emotions growing up and just before you started those tough conversations. How did you get past um, feelings of resentment or a, a lack of willingness to forgive mistakes that you thought that your father made? How did you get past that block? Oh, that's a good question. And I'll be the first to tell you, it took a long time to get over the bitterness and the resentment because first I had to acknowledge it. I had to acknowledge that it was there. I had to, even though I said that I was different, I I still first had to acknowledge that. Why am I so angry? And sometimes I would just blow it off like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't care. It won't affect me. Or my one of my famous lines I always say, I'm not moved when really I am truly moved. <laughs> but, you know, forgiveness is a choice. I, you know, I was raised in in church. So, you know, being raised with my grandma, I, she took me to church every time you could think of church. Um, every time you said Jesus, she, I was in church, you know, and she was in church. So not only on my dad, biological dad's side, but my mom's side too. So my, my foundation is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that I do, but it took, it took some years to just kind of first acknowledge that, you know, Hey, you got, you got some unforgiveness in your heart. You got some bitterness in your heart. You are angry, you know, and 
it took years, but it, it started, it started to change when I made a choice to change it. I made a choice to say, I want to be free of this anger. I want to be free of this resentment, this abandonment, this lack, all of this ick stuff. You know how you have your your pipes get clogged up with just all this gunk and, and hair and every, all, everything just clogs it up where nothing gets through and you're just going through life. And people won't even know you stopped. You're just going through it. You know, because, you know, as women, I think we have, because we wear so many hats and we know how to multitask, we can put on a hat and you won't even know that we're not even really under that hat. Mm. <laughs> so I made a choice to say, you know what? All right. The past is the past. And sometimes I say that so simply now, but that was not simple. I don't want to paint the picture that, you know, you make a choice and, oh, it gets better. Nope. You make a choice and you keep making that choice. I had to keep reminding myself that, nope, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get stuck in this unforgiveness. That's in the past. I have forgiven my dad, my stepdad, my mom. Cause at that point I didn't, I didn't, you know, all, all of y'all at fault. Mm. <laughs> Everybody at fault. And I think that's where that anger comes from. You just like everybody. You just get mad at everybody. But you don't have to be. You don't have to be. You know, and when you make that choice to say, you know what, I'm going to release all of this. I'm every bit of it. I'm just going to release it. And with releasing and the time to heal, for my heart to heal, me to pray about it and just believe God to heal my heart that my actions started changing my relationship with my family started changing you know and I'm sharing this and people people think because you always it's always outside looking in right people always think the grass is green on the other side or somebody always has it better you know especially in this technology that we generation that we're in now you know, you look at Instagram, everybody look like they got it together, don't they? Yes. I'm like, I'm like, I know you don't, you do not wake up like that. You do not. I, I know you, I know, especially with Mary, me and my, cause me and my husband, we also, uh, we're mentor, we mentor marriage couples. And uh, one of the, one of the funny things that we always use as an example is married couple driving somewhere. Now, my husband don't like the way I drive. I don't like the way he drives. So when either one of us is driving, some one of us going to say something. One of us is. So you either <laughs> going to make a choice to say, okay, dude, is it really that big of a deal? Is, is it going to, I want peace in the house. So peace becomes so important. Peace is the most priceless commodity we can have. And we give it away so easily. And, and unforgiveness is a peace dealer. Comparison is a thief. It will steal it. A comparison will make you compare yourself to other people and other people's family and other people's lifestyles, thinking that yours is not good and yours is good. There's nothing wrong with yours. It might not look the same and it's not supposed to look the same. Might not look the same, but you still got it going on. Bishop Jake say one said one one Sunday he said somebody else will take your hand and win with it. So we have to be grateful. We have to be grateful for our whole life. So over time, I kept making the choice to to not be angry, not be mad, and over time, God healed my heart, and that's what allowed. That's what allowed those those relationships to be fruitful. That allowed my my relationship with my stepdad to not be angry and resentful to being fruitful and blessed and where we can laugh and joke and pray with each other. That's what allowed me the last 10 years of my biological um, dad's life to be right there with him. You know, he passed from lung cancer and um, I was on, he, we have three, it's three of us. He had three kids. I'm the oldest. I have a sister and I have a brother, but I was the only one that planned the whole, his whole thing, his whole home going. So I said, I have no regrets. Just, just the simple fact is a lot of women 
who don't remember their dad calling them pumpkin. It's a lot of women who don't remember the conversations that they had with their dad. So I'm one of those champions that say that take advantage of the time that you do have because you never know when's going to be the last time. The last time you see him, the last time you hear that voice until it's gone. Because once it's gone, you know, you want it back and you can't get it. So many takeaways from what you just said. I think the biggest thing was, yes, you might feel frustration in um, all of the human emotions that we have as humans, but you entered into those conversations with an openness of heart and a grace that allowed for those conversations to be fruitful. We can go into a conversation and still be hard hearted and then there's no fruit. Those roots are not given an opportunity to take form. And I think, especially because the time that you had this conversation, you've already lived, you're a full adult, right? And so you're not looking for the things that maybe a teenager might look for from a parent. You're not looking for food, shelter, money, those kind of basic needs. You are truly looking for a relationship and encounter. And I, I mean, I can't speak for your father, but I imagine that just coming from that place of relationship and encounter allowed him to probably bring down whatever walls he might've had himself in engaging in that kind of relationship. Because um, as someone who's experienced something very similar, sometimes the other party just out of maybe not pride, but fear, you know, we all Mm -hmm. fear what was, what is going to happen out of this conversation. Fear is, can be a good thing, right? But because it protects you from harm, but fear right. can also be a stumbling block yeah. for the moments of discomfort that can really help you grow as a person. And people don't stop growing just because they're your parents and they're a lot older than you. They still right. need to grow. And I think you gave him such a great gift in that last decade of his life that he was able to find a moment of peace in that relationship that wasn't what it needed to be. Um, and now it, it grew into something so beautiful. And then you were able to provide him such a beautiful homecoming home going as a result of that relationship. So I, I just, I was just like listening and smiling and tearing up a little bit because it hits so much at home for so many women, so many people. Um, and speaking of women, you work as a coach. I mean, you wear a lot of hats. You talked about HR, but you also are a speaker and a mentor and a coach. So what do you do specifically? What My passion in speaking and coaching. I want to be able to see and show other people that light at the end of the tunnel. Because we we have mentored so many different couples and so many different women outside of outside of their marriage couples that sometimes there are some crazy situations that happen. And I from zero to a hundred, there's a lot of different things that happen. But you're at the end of the day, you're still speaking about a person that based on their situation and their circumstance, they just need somebody just to it's going to be okay because that's what I got out of being, out of having that dad say, my, my dad, my biological dad used to always say, pumpkin, don't push the panic button because I would go from zero to a hundred so quick. And he would always say, don't push the panic button. Just calm down. He would have to almost um, talk me off the ledge, but having all those years of conversations with my dad, either telling me, don't push the panic push. I got it. I got it, pumpkin. Don't worry about it. I've learned to show other women, men and women, that same hope is that this is a one snapshot in your life right now. I need you to refocus off that one spotlight. Because right now, when we're in a situation, that's all we see. That's all we see. We can't even see past or around 
we, we can't see beyond that situation. So that passion came from, come on, let me, let me show you something else. Let me change your perspective. Let me show you how to look away. Because in life, you have to stay focused. And remember I talked about, we see all these people who sometimes seem like they got their lives together and they, they know they're supposed to be in the right lane. Yes. Well, my, my, my passion is, is to get those ones who, you, you, you know, you when you're driving, you got them people to be going in and out of the lanes. You're like, will you get somewhere and sit down? <laughs> Stop moving out of these lanes? Well, in life, those are the ones that I, I, I mean, and it seems like I have this like this contagious type of spirit where, well, I could talk, I don't meet a stranger, okay? I could talk to just about anybody. But they will start sharing their lives. And you can, it's, a, it's I thank God for the gift of, wisdom and discernment where you can pick up on it because sometimes like I said they don't tell you all of it I miss might drop a word or two and you're like oh that's what the problem is so my passion is to get you to see the light at the other side of the tunnel just keep looking at the end sometimes you know have you ever been in a dark room you know you cut your lights off at the end of the day right mm-hmm. going to sleep mm-hmm. It's dark, pitch dark, and pitch dark in your house, right? And you only got like probably like a night hall night light or something like that. When it's real dark, you can't see anything. You then your eyes start adjusting, and as your eyes start adjusting, then you can see that there is some light. At the moment, it just seems pitch black. But give it a few minutes, your eyes start adjusting, and then you're like, oh. It's that light in the hallway down there. Okay, I can see that. Well, such is life. Sometimes you got to get people that come in your life that are running alongside of you and say, no, you're in the wrong lane, sweetie. You need to be over in that left lane. You know, scoot over in the left lane. And sometimes you need a little nudge. And sometimes that's that that seasonal friend that comes through your life. Mm-hmm. And I say seasonal, mm-hmm. but sometimes we have friends that, you know, you think y'all going to be together for the rest of your life when you only... You only knew them for like six months and then all of a sudden they move or something happens and you you don't have any, you lost touch with them. But you the magnitude of what they what they've been and what they have helped you with in your season of life was paramount. It helped change your life. So people come in and out of your life to help you steer and navigate through life. And I think because I've had people do that in my life and see the reward and the benefit, I want to leave that footprint on somebody else's life. I want to change the world. I want you to be able to remember Camelia Borna, though. It's like, oh, I remember her. She got this loud laugh, and she could talk to anybody. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I mean, everybody wants to have a legacy, and some people, they want their legacy to be the richest person or have all of these things. But I always feel like, the best legacy you can leave behind is having touched just a few hearts because that has a a tremendous ripple effect. And I love what you said about the seasonal friends. I find this, especially because in my twenties, I switched from a lot of jobs and I created these bonds with women and men that I worked with. They were like my office mom or office best friend, office sister, And then you switch jobs and you vow to stay connected. But in the reality is you don't, but they were, they were necessary during those times where you worked in that job or you had those shared experiences and that bond doesn't go away, even though you are not in contact with them, but the, the impact that they had in your life is what stays with you. I really, um, I just, oh, you're such an awesome person to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just love first of all, I love your accent. Are you from the South? I how did you pick that up? <laughs> I'm just a country. <laughs> no, I'm from Waco, Waco, Texas. Oh, got it. Picked it up. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly but you right. You definitely have that Ooh. charm that's like warm and I can I can sense why so many people would be attracted to talking to you. Yes, you have the gift of wisdom and wonder and like discernment, but also you have a charm that attracts people so that you can even use those gifts. So I just love, I just love your personality. And I really like what you said about you. Um, your eyes starting to adjust. 
I want to ask you, mm-hmm. given this current climate, especially as there's so much uncertainty for so many people, I feel like in the beginning, people were hopeful, you know, this is going to be a month and we'll, we'll go back to normal, whatever normal looks like. And now I think we kind of have our eyes adjusted, right? We are starting to mm-hmm. embrace this darkness in a sense. Um, and we're starting to figure out where we are in this like dark room, like you said. So what are some tips for people, just day-to-day tips to stay hopeful in a situation where maybe they have experienced job loss, maybe they have had a family member that's ill, maybe they are... Well, yeah, that's exactly right. Because I think as you, we started out, we're thinking, oh, okay, this will, this will boil over. It's, it, it's okay. But it, it started in March. It's July and we're still mm-hmm. dealing with it. And yeah, we, we have come across a, a lot of couples, a lot of people who have lost their job or they have reduction in pay, layoffs, unemployment, or loss of, loss of loved one in the hospital camp. You can't go to the hospital with them. That's another, that's another heartbreaking thing is when you can't go to the hospital, having someone in the hospital and then not being able to be there, you know? So yeah, in this time, we still have to remain hopeful. We, we, I still hear my, my grandma and my Nana say, you know, this time, this too shall pass. And we have to continue to be our brother's keeper. So if you don't have a job and you need some food, I know like our church, we have, we give out food every single day, bags of food every single day. If you're blessed, be a blessing to other people. If you, cause you're, you're going to have your good days and your bad days. And on that good day, be a blessing to somebody because as you sow that, blessing to somebody else. And then, and when I say blessing, that's not necessarily, you know, money or, or food. And if that, if you have that, please do that. But sometimes it's a call or a text. Hey girl, how you doing? Hey, how your family? Y'all doing all right? You know, sometimes we, we live in this, this world where everything is a text. I'm learning to, to get the whole thing about, you know, all the emojis and all that stuff. Um, my oldest is 30 years old. So I'm learning to do all this stuff, but I'm like, what happened to the, the, the beautiful thing? And I'm picking up the phone and just calling me, come call me. Don't text me and say, how you doing? Call me, ask me, hear my voice because what a text will not say you can hear on the phone. So sometimes the practical tip is instead of texting to call, I tell people all the time, if I come across your mind, why don't you call me? You could call me. I don't want you to text me. Call me. Hey, Camelia, how you doing? Hey, girl, so good to hear you. You know, what you doing calling me? Some some of the simplest things are contagious. You know, a good spirit, somebody uplifted. They just laughing and jolly. You you hang around that enough, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start laughing. Yes. You're going to start seeing things differently because you got somebody who always in your face saying, girl, it ain't that bad. Look, I went outside and I was sitting outside in the backyard. And do you know that grass was green? It used to be brown. It's green now. I thank God for green grass because my neighbor, they got brown grass. I mean, little stuff like that. It, it's it's taking, taking thought for other people. I tell people all the time because I used to volunteer in nursing homes and in hospitals. If you think your life is bad, go volunteer somewhere. You'll change your whole tune. You'll change your whole tune. And you'll stop that all. You'll stop all that complaining. Yeah, you you won't you won't do too much complaining if you just look out of the the vantage point of somebody else's life. So I I say to people, even in this time, even in the the situation that you're in, that that this too will pass, and that keep encouraging yourself because a lot of times. Somebody might not be able to encourage you. It might be that bad that you can't get encouraged. But one thing that the word says is David said that he encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you will have to encourage yourself and you're going to have to pray through this. People say you have to pray. And then the action behind that is where I say, call somebody. 
You know, sometimes what people do is they get into these these dark spots in their life and they don't tell anybody. That is what you do not want. Did you hear me? You do not want that. I don't care how dark it gets. You better open your mouth and you have to ask for help. 911. I'm not talking about 911. Call 911. I'm, I'm talking about, oh, call somebody. Tell them, hey, I need some help. I'm dealing with some stuff over here. What can you, you know, you got a moment? Can we talk? Yeah, let's talk. What's going on? I didn't know you were going through that. I know I've been going through it for several months. Well, why you didn't tell nobody? Well, I don't know. I just thought everybody was going through it. Everybody's not. That's another trick. People think that just because, you know, oh, this we're in this whole pandemic, right? Everything is not bad. So you can't paint that picture that everything is bad because what happens? Everything bad, that's all you think of is bad. This is going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it becomes a downward spiral real quick. So one of the quick things that we have always been, I have always been taught from, from foundational, from growing up all the way to my adulthood is count your blessings. Count your blessings. If you have a hard time, just start counting them. I am breathing. I inhale. I exhale. I exhale. You know, nobody had to help me. I could stand up by myself. Raise my arm by myself. I can drink my water by myself. I I mean I love that. I one thing that I did during um the beginning, especially when I was feeling so disoriented and I wanted I'm such a helper. I love to be able to help people. One thing that I did was just a bit of a meditation and I was blessed because a, a few of my colleagues they offered up their skills in yoga and meditation for us to do together once a week. And I, so I've done yoga and meditation before, but I never really took it that seriously. I just did it to stretch, but just being conscious of the placement of your body and being able to move your body on your own is a blessing. And then I live in an apartment and I used to complain like, oh, I live in this apartment and I don't have a backyard. I don't have this and that. I was so happy for that balcony to be able to smell fresh air. Imagine if I didn't have a balcony, right? Those little things. Right. The um, the day that they started cutting grass again, I was so excited. And I, I literally watched the guy cut the grass around my apartment complex that's how excited I was for some sort of different entertainment <laughs> my husband thought it was crazy right, right. but I was so excited mm -hmm. for a little bit of normalcy and um those things about spring that you love the smell of fresh cut, cut grass and flowers being mm -hmm. planted those little things I started to notice and then you realize yes for some people the situation will will still be bad it will always be bad, but there's pockets of good even in those badness. And this actually yes. brings me to my favorite part of the podcast. I call them roses and thorns. And so mm. rose is something good that's happened lately in the last couple of weeks or maybe just this past weekend. And a thorn is maybe a bump in a road that um, may have been a, a hinder, but you, you might have overcome it. Or it's just a part of what these roses come with thorns, right? And so it's just a part of life, a bump in the road that's a part of life. I tell you, I know about this game of roses and thorns. We actually do, uh, we actually call, we only do the rose at the dinner table. So every night when we eat dinner, um, we always say, go around the table, what's your rose? Yeah, we stopped doing thorns because that went on a rabbit trail. <laughs> didn't end good so he's like no we're only doing roses so my rose today would be I would say meeting getting the chance to meet you and talk to you I, I just I love it because you, you get to know people and real that's another vantage point to see that you know life isn't all that bad because you know you get social media and the news boy if you sit there and watch that all day you will be crazy. You, you'll be crazy and you'll be scared to leave your house. <laughs> so my rose is meeting you. And my thorn, let's say, my thorn will probably be the heat. I went walking today. And I usually do it around lunchtime. So and my husband, he went with me this time. And, and uh, 
I usually don't mind the heat, but um, he said, he said, oh, I can't believe I talked myself into walking with you in the heat of the day at lunchtime. Who goes to walk at 12 o'clock? I did because that, you know, I didn't even think about the heat. But let me tell you what, what happened. I started thinking about the heat because he said something about the heat. I'm laughing about it now, but I was not. I was, I was thinking, it's not that hot. Yes, it is hot out here. My shoulders are burning. It's so hot. I'm like, oh, it's not that hot. Not that hot. But then I was like, hmm, it is hot. Wow. I mean, I'm already really sweating. So my whole viewpoint changed because he kept bringing my attention back to the heat. So I didn't mind the heat because I normally go walking just as a stress reliever, a debrief. Let me just go walk. I could just walk it off, think it out loud, and just kind of process everything that gone that had been going on half the morning, right? So that was my time. But since, you know, he's my Mr. Incredible, you know, he came with me and I thought that was the cutest little thing until he changed how I thought about my 12 o'clock walk. He's like, it's too hot to walk at 12 o'clock. You ought to walk early in the morning. Well, I don't want to walk early in the morning. I want to walk at lunchtime. But I would have been perfectly fine walking at lunchtime by myself because I didn't even think about the heat. Because, of course, I use it as a stress reliever. I use it to just kind of exhale and just like, oh, they got nice plants. I ought to think about getting that plant in my yard. Hmm. I wonder if they know that grass need to be cut. Gosh, look at that. Oh my goodness, look at all these worms. So I'm doing all of that as I'm walking. So I'm not paying attention to the heat. Mm. So you see that thorn, and I call it a thorn because he because because of his complaining, it changed my perspective to enjoy the walk instead of focusing on the heat. Because that the heat is never was never my focus. And my focus was just to get out. And walk, change of scenery. But you see the you, you see how that happened. You, you're around it. Like you should, you should on a Monday. It's always going to be a Monday every seven days. It's nothing really new. And then someone mm-hmm. is just like, oh, there's a lot of meetings, or oh, da 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 da. And so you might have just yeah. been like, oh, my schedule is booked, but I have like at least I have things to keep me busy. And now you're thinking of those things that are keeping you busy as burdens because someone or a couple of people groaned about it. Um, and subconsciously now your whole perspective is changed. And that's, it's kind of wild how that happens, but he probably didn't mean well. Right. To be honest, the heat index would have told you, I get alerts on my phone about the heat index. So it would have told me 12 o'clock was not a good time. To- I know, right, right. <laughs> and see, okay, so there you go. So I don't even look at that. Oh my God. I don't even look at that. <laughs> I don't even look at it. I'm like, oh, it's time. I got a break. I got an hour break. Oh, I got time to go do me a like, you know, 15, 20 minute walk. I was just like, by the time we <laughs> by the time we came back from walking, I was laughing, but I was laughing because I was mad. Okay, so you see the difference? Oh I can laugh like I'm laughing now because it's funny. Oh, I, I was laughing when we got home because I was mad. I'm thinking, oh, it's not that hot. I cannot believe you to turn my whole thought process around about why I go walking at 12 o'clock noon. Because I want to at the end of that. Because I want to. Tomorrow. Now, you didn't, he didn't have to come walking with me. <laughs> he didn't come in. I'm going to tell him, nope, you can't come. I'm going to go walking by myself. <laughs> but he did offer that we walk at by 7.30 in the morning instead of 12. The opportunity to see the sunrise or oh, yeah. at least the last bit of a sunrise. Mm-hmm. I like to do things in the evening because I love the sunset. And in looking at the sunset, I'm like, okay, I accomplished another day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I love sunsets. So even though in Maryland here, I feel like that's when the mosquitoes are having their dinner and they love me for dinner. Oh, yeah. It's worth it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to see the sunset. Yeah, mosquitoes are bad down here too. You're. They they will tear you up. 
<laughs> and and that's with a centronella plant and a lant and a uh yeah uh-huh yeah yeah or I can share your website and information about you on in our show notes. So how can people follow along? Yes, people can follow along me with um, on my website, CamelliaVornado.com. I also have a, a blog, not a blog, but a newsletter I just started. Now, let me tell you, let me let me let me give you this question as well. And you can use it. Um, I said, what if I post a question on the newsletter? What if? The ifs were removed. Anything could be possible. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? <laughs> Love it. I mean, it takes all the excuses away. So stop thinking. Stop telling me about the excuse or the or the reason. What what? So in regards to people's passion. So what have you done? If you can't, because we you know we got to break it down a little small bits. And chew it up in little bits instead of this big, huge slice. You know, you might not be able to go travel, but you could do something. You could send a nice email. You could write a note. When are those days coming back about writing a note? A handwritten note? Mm, haven't seen one of those in a while. But yes, you can follow me on CamelliaVornado.com. I have a newsletter that I'm starting to write. It's called Butterfly Hope, of course. It's my favorite insects. I can go yeah. on and on about butterflies. Yes, yes, yes. I was trying to get, a, um, thinking of all the different plants that I could get that that attract butterflies. I said, I just want them all around my house. You know, all the different oh colors and stuff. Because, you know, my last book was Clash of the Caterpillar and the Butterfly. Because life will cause a collision. And the collision is that cocoon. Isn't that good? Yes. I know. I still tickle my temple. So I'm like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> You have to be your best cheerleader. I love it. I love the energy. And where can people find your books? So they can find my books, all of my books on Amazon.com. Amazon.com and also on my site as well. Okay, perfect. So those of you that are lis- listening, if you want to read her books, you can go onto her website and see the titles and then order them on Amazon. And supports Camelia and her journey. And I can't wait to see how your story continues to unfold. And I know that your children are so honored to have you as their mother. Thank you oh, so much for joining you. me today. And this amazing, I love when I can give a good belly laugh. And I think I gave like five of them today. So I know, isn't that the be- Laughter is medicine, I'm telling you. It's medicine, I'm telling you. Mm. Mm-mm. I have enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. It has been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I am proud of you. Oh, I want you, you to know I'm proud of you. I have to be honest. I was personally tearing up listening to the beauty and openness of Camelia, talking about her reconciliation with her father and hearing how it was so transformative in her confidence of self. It's inspiring to learn how she outpours that into her writing and speaking and working with others. The path to reconciliation can truly be a struggle. I have personally struggled with forgiveness, and I know some of you listening might as well. I hope that you take the opportunity to heal relationships that might have been broken and figure out how to share your experiences to inspire others around you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode please leave a review so others can hear stories like Camellia's and share this episode with a friend. As always, have a great day in your amazing story.